Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Let's begin our reading there. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins." Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, And he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity, God, to meet and to open your word. And God, I just pray that as we go into your word, Lord, for just a little while, Lord, that you would just bless, God, what is already blessed, Lord, and that you would, God, just move among your people. And God, I pray that this message would speak to someone And Lord, that you would let us understand, God, that that there may be people in the Bible that are insignificant, God, but but they do such a great work for you. And Lord, I just pray that that if there's anybody lost here this morning, God, that you would save them, Lord, and let them know that they need you. And God, I just pray that, that everything that is said and done this morning would glorify you. God, give me clarity of mind and clarity of speech as we open your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I like to read the book of Matthew. Now, last week we read the genealogy of, of Joseph, and, and somebody came up to me after the, the sermon. I don't remember who it was in particular, and they said, I really appreciate you trying to pronounce all those names. <laughs> so maybe they didn't get anything else out of, else out of the sermon, but they, I, I studied this out. And, and as I studied this week, I just basically continued on, and what I do essentially every day of the week is I just open the Bible up to the accounts of what we call the Christmas story, and I read them over and over again. Now, we've heard these stories uh, probably some of us a thousand times, no doubt, right? And, and we've read them, and, and we all know that, that Luke is usually the account that we like to go to, but here in Matthew, we find a slightly different account. Now, the beautiful thing about the Bible is, is that two different writers can say two different things and tell about the same story from their point of view and what's great about that is that sometimes you'll have one writer that will focus on this and then another writer will focus on this and you actually get two different perspectives and what it really does is it takes that story and it multiplies it and it opens it up And the same thing is true here when we turn to the book of Matthew chapter number 1. And and we'll go over to Luke chapter 2 in just a few minutes. And so you can go ahead and and be ready to turn to Luke chapter 2. But we have this account of the birth of Jesus. Now Matthew doesn't spend a whole lot of time on this, but he's going to give us the account and then he's going to get to some other stuff. So we just have just a few verses here. 
But as we think about the, 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 the birth story in the Bible, we generally think about several people, don't we? We think about, well, first of all, obviously, well, the first person we think about is Jesus being born, right? I mean, that, that's, that shouldn't have to even be said. We think about Jesus. And then another person that we like to think about is we like to think about his mother Mary. And, and no doubt that this time of year we talk about Mary and she should be honored. But let me say this, she should not be deified, amen? We should not lift her up and worship her. We worship God. We worship his son Jesus Christ. And, and we also and we, we like to talk about the wise men or the magis as they're sometimes called. And, and we'll get to that maybe and talk about that in just a few minutes. We like to talk about them. And we like to talk about the shepherds. And we talk about all these different players that had a part in the birth of Jesus. I don't, I don't like to call them characters because to me a character is something that's made up. And these are not made up. This is true. Amen? And so we have all these people. And so often and so many times we tend to overlook somebody. And you know who that is? Joseph. We, do, do we even ever really pay attention to Joseph that much? And I think that some of the reasons that we don't pay a lot of attention, and I don't have a lot of reasons, but I think probably the major reason is the fact that, that he's not actually Jesus' father, right? I mean, y'all will agree to that, that the Holy Spirit and, and, and God is actually the father of Jesus and that the Holy Spirit came by and, and Mary was, had the immaculate conception, as we like to call it. But still, at the end of the day, Joseph played a very, very, very important role. I heard a story one time about a little girl and, and two little girls talking. And, and you know how it is. It's kind of comical when kids get to talking, isn't it? Y'all ever just listen to your kids and what they say? And, and you know, that, that, what was that old show, uh, Kids Say the Darndest Thing? Y'all remember that? And, and they do sometimes. And I heard a story about these two little girls, true story, talking. Their pastor heard them talking. And they were looking at, at a picture of the nativity and and they were looking at that and you know we've all how many of you got a nativity sitting in your house right now I mean probably 75 percent of the church does and and you know you get it out of the box every year and you set all the little all the little figures in their place and and we all have our mind on what it should look like but in this particular nativity they were looking and they said well there's Mary and there's there's Jesus and there's the shepherds and there's the wise men but but Joseph was missing from this nativity and one little girl looked at the other and, and said, well, where's Joseph? And she said, obviously, he's like all dads. He was taking the picture. <laughs> and so oftentimes, if we're not careful, Joseph, he just if, gets relegated to the duty of, of taking the picture. But we never need to overlook anybody that's part of God's plan. And I would like to show you and, and just open up the Word for just a few minutes and maybe study this man named Joseph. Now, there's not a whole lot in the Bible about Joseph, and, and I would like to say that there's chapters and chapters written about him, and we can find a, just a, all, a, a lot about him, but really we can't. In fact, Joseph is never mentioned outside of Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 2, and Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 2. He's never mentioned after that. He's alluded to. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, one guy asked another, he said, is this not the carpenter's son? He's referring to Jesus. So he's alluded to as the carpenter one time. But other than that, he's not even mentioned. He's not mentioned in the gospel of Mark. 
And he's only mentioned one time in the Gospel of John. And, and that's not during the birth story. It's, it's Philip speaking to Nathaniel. And it says, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now it's important that we notice that when they were talking and when these two Jewish men referred to Joseph... They referred to him as the father of Jesus. Do you see that? John chapter 1 verse 45, the son of Joseph. Even though we know that God is the father of Jesus, Joseph still played an important enough role in this man's life and in this story that he was called the father of Jesus. And you think, well, that obviously just must be some sort of mistake, right? John must have got that wrong when he wrote that down. I don't think he did at all. See, we're talking, about, we're talking about first century Jewish life here. We're not talking about uh, a 21st century American life. We're talking about first century Jewish life. And in first century Jewish life, if your family didn't have a dad there, it was messed up. I'm not going to lie to you. Now, I know things are different and society's different and, and I'm not trying to minimize anybody at all, but the Jewish faith placed a high, high calling on the man of the house. And, and I'm not trying to, again, just, just be mean to anybody and not thinking, but, but do you remember when, when men used to be the men of the house? Can you say amen right there or, or oh me, either one? Cecil's my old me guy, but, but it used to be that the man, he, he, was when the, the man, he was the man of the house. And he had some responsibilities, and he had some duties, and there were some things that he did that the mother just, just didn't do. It's not that she wasn't capable of them. It was just that the man has certain jobs in the house. And wouldn't you ladies say amen to that, that there's just some jobs that men ought to be doing around the house? Say amen right there. Should, shouldn't men be mowing the yard? Amen. Sister Carrie says amen to that. And, and shouldn't, shouldn't men be taking the garbage off? That's a man job. You know what I think a man job is? And, and this is just this is just a little side note. I think it's a man's job that every opportunity that he has, he ought to be pumping his wife's gas. Wouldn't you say amen to that? <laughs> I, think, I think there's just some things that a man ought to be doing. And y'all laugh at that. But, but Joseph, he couldn't pump the gas. I understand that. But there's just some things that, that men do. And so we get to this story, and we start reading this, and, and I'm just going to read verse 18 again. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when his Mary, his mother, was espoused to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. So let's talk about this, and let's talk about the, the situation that we have before us. You notice this word, espoused. A lot of times we would, we would use the word engaged there. As, as, as modern day Americans, we would just say, well, they were engaged. But this was far more serious than any engagement I have ever seen. See, this word espoused here, this, this word, you can, if you want another word to go there, you can put the word betrothed there. Now, in, in our wedding vows, a lot of, a lot of times, and, and I remember my sister, she's here this morning, and I remember when I was, I was 13 years old when my sister got married, and she's a lot older than me, and she got married when she was 15. No, I'm joking about that. But, but I remember standing there, and my pastor, Brother Danny Bandy, was was. Mary and my sister and my brother-in-law to each other and, and he said the word betrothed 
And I said, what in the world does the word betrothed mean? You remember that, Sabrina? She remembers that. And, and I was standing there and I was thinking, what, what is betrothed? And, and what betrothed means, it's, it's basically a binding contract. It means that when you get married, that you are, are married for good. That, that that is something that cannot and should not be broken off. And in the eyes of the Lord, I believe that when God, when two people get married, that is something that should not be broken off. Would you say amen to that? But this is before that they even officially were married. This was before they came together. This is before they really even became a family, if you will. And it says that they were espoused. This means that they were not officially married. That all had that what had been done is that the parents had made a promise. This could have even been an arranged marriage. We don't know for sure, but probably was an arranged marriage. And they had said, uh, Joseph, I'm going to give you my daughter Mary. And Joseph said, okay. And for a whole year, he would, he would, they were not married. They did not live together, but they were as good as married. And during the middle of this marriage, something happened that, 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 that was a different. It says that before they came together, that's very important, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. She was pregnant. Just as simple as you can put it. And, and I don't know really about the process, and I like to think through things, and maybe I think through things differently, but I don't know how long that it, that it took them to reveal that. You ever thought about that? You know, you wonder, did people start looking at Mary and saying, hey, there's something different going on with her. You know, that's Joseph's espoused wife, and, and he's the one that's promised to marry her. But did y'all notice her belly today? Y'all all know that, don't you? You women, women that get pregnant, I, I found out that they tend to try to hide that they're pregnant as long as they possibly can. You ever notice that? Even if they've told everybody, they're still wearing looser and looser and looser clothes until finally it's just really obvious. And the Bible says that she was found with child. I don't know who found her. Maybe Joseph did. And so then the next verse says this, and this is the first thing that we're going to talk about with Joseph, what kind of man that he was. We're going to learn some lessons of what a, a real man or what a, even a real Christian, what a real follower of God looks like through the life of Joseph. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, being a man that was right, being a man that wanted to do what was right and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately or, or doing it without telling everybody. And I think about Joseph and, and how that absolutely must have devastated him. You imagine, some of you, I don't know of anybody in here that's engaged, but think back to your engagement, men, and, and how many of you think back to that and, and would have liked to known right in the middle of an engagement that a baby bump shows up? Would that have been awkward? Really? I mean, yes or no? I think it would have. Probably been a little, little strange and and Joseph said he was minded to put her away privately. And what that means is this. It means a couple of things. The first thing that it means is this, that he could have given her what Moses called a writ of divorcement. 
that he could have basically taken her to the elders. He could have taken her to the gate of the city where the elders meet. And he could have said, hey, this woman is pregnant. That baby is not mine. And they would have said, you know what? According to the law, you can do away with this woman. Because because fornication and adultery was, was frowned upon. And God said, even in the Ten Commandments, what did he say? Thou shalt not commit adultery, right? And he could have said, you know what, here's your paperwork. I've done signed it. She wouldn't have had any say in the situation. They wouldn't have had to agree to anything. They wouldn't have had to got lawyers. All that. He could have just said, see you later. You're on your own. And she would have been an outcast of society. But on the other hand, I think to the book of John chapter 8, where a group of Pharisees bring a woman to Jesus. Y'all remember that story? And they dragged this woman up there and, and what, it, what they had done is they had found her in the very act of adultery is what the Bible said. It said that they found her. Now remember Mary was found too, right? And, if, and if, you, if you really read it for what it means, Joseph, by putting her away, what that meant is he could have took her to the gate of the city just like I just said and could have divorced her or he could have said, you know what? Why don't we go collect some rocks? And why don't we stone this woman to death? Because he could have done that too. You remember John chapter 8 that the woman, the, the men were standing there with their rocks, right? I mean, they were ready to stone this woman to death. And Mary could have very well had the same thing coming to her. But no, Joseph was a just man. Now we often, we often get this wrong if we're not careful and, and we try to, try to act like that Joseph didn't think about putting Mary away. That it never crossed his mind, but it did according to, the, to, according to the Bible. It says he was minded to put her away. That it crossed his mind. It, he thought about it. He may have even made up his mind. I don't know, but somewhere between here and there, something changes. So we see that Joseph was a great man of integrity. He did not want to ruin Mary's life. If he would have done that, it would have absolutely ruined her. She, she having an illegitimate child in Jewish society, I mean, that would have made her an outcast. She wouldn't have had any way to make ends meet. She wouldn't have been able to do anything, but he was a man of integrity. Verse 20, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, Thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And then it tells the rest of the situation. And then verse 24 is, is basically the end of the dream. And then it says in verse 24, Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. Now Joseph, as I said, it had crossed his mind to put her away. Do you all agree with that according to the Bible that he had at least thought about it? But then in, in, the, in the wonderful execution of God's plan, God sent an angel messenger. That is an important thing. I want you to notice that. Did, did, did God send an angel to anybody else in this story? Well, absolutely he did. He sent an angel to Mary. To explain this whole situation and, and Mary took all these things and it's that she pondered them in her heart. That she didn't share them with Joseph. So Joseph didn't even really know what was going on until the angel of the Lord appeared and told him this. And then you know what it said he did? It's something that would be hard for anybody in here to do. 
is he actually did what God told him to do. Did you see that? The angel told him, don't be afraid. Go ahead and take Mary to be your wife because what is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost and his name's going to be Jesus. And it says that, that when he was raised from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. Not only was he a man of integrity, but he was also a, very, a man that was very obedient to what God told him to do. It would be hard for any of us in this room as men, for our, our uh, a spouse, wife, or our wife to show up pregnant and any of us not say, you know what, it's over with, done for. I'm not going to have anything to do with you. But he wholeheartedly followed God. Do you know what this meant for Joseph? This meant that for the rest of Joseph's life, people were going to be looking at him funny. Did you know that? Remember, this is first century Jewish society. And when people know that your wife has a kid that is not yours, they're going to be looking at you. And, and, and even they do that today. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, that's, that stuff still goes on today. There was going to be a stigma placed on Joseph. And they're going to say, hey, what is up with this guy? I thought he was a good Jewish man. I thought he followed God. And here he is raising that illegitimate child. And so people are going to look at him funny the rest of his life. But he, you know what he said? And this is something that, it, that I think that every Christian needs to take to heart this morning. Is that Joseph said, I don't care what people say or what people think. I'm going to do what God told me to do. He said, people can talk, and boy, they'll talk. It may not be about an illegitimate child, or it may not be uh, anything about that. Jesus obviously was not illegitimate, but in the eyes of the people, he might have been. It can be about a number of things. When God speaks to you and tells you to do something, and people will stand up and say, well, who does he think he is? Or who does she think she is? And people talk. That's just their nature. What, I mean, amen or oh me, that's just how people are. And Joseph said, I don't care. I am going to do what God tells me to do in spite of what anybody says or what anybody thinks. And we see these wonderful attributes. But if you've got your Bibles handy with you, let's turn over to Luke for just a minute. Go to Luke with me. Luke chapter 2. I said we were going to go there, so you should already be prepared. We're going to read this uh, first little section of Luke chapter 2, just verses 1 through 5. We won't do a whole lot of reading here. This is the one we're very familiar with. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, here it is again, his espoused wife being great with child. We see that not only that Joseph was obedient to the word of God but... He was also obedient to the law of man. Do you see that? See, we see this word taxing right here. And, and, and I know that everybody in here just finds it a joy when tax season rolls around, don't you? I mean, we love it when, when somebody says, hey, you know, you owe me some money. Don't you think the government probably gets a, enough of our, our money? 
this is on the internet. I shouldn't have said that. Oh, my goodness. I heard a song one time that says, if 10% is good enough for Jesus, it ought to be enough for Uncle Sam. Amen. <laughs> but, but this taxing, it was a little different. It wasn't necessarily that you had to go pay your part. They just wanted to count you. This word tax, you can look it up. It's, it's a census. And Joseph went and, and went on behalf of this man, this man Caesar, that had called this taxing. This was a, a pagan man, a, a ruler that was a pagan and over the Roman uh, Empire. And it would have been really easy for Joseph to say, you know what? I've been through enough this year. How many of you have said that already? Joseph had ever, could have just said, you know what? My wife is pregnant. Now I'm thinking Mary, if, if when she gets there, she had to be about 10 months pregnant, you know? And the journey from where they went, Nazareth to Bethlehem, that was 91 miles. How many of you men would, would have wanted to saddle your pregnant wife up on a donkey and rode her 91 miles anywhere? Nobody's going to sign up for that. But Joseph did it anyways. Joseph did it. But you know why Joseph did it? Because it was part of God's plan. It was what God had called for. See, in the book of Isaiah, it says that there's going to be a virgin have a baby. And we've already read that. But it also says that that baby has to be born in Bethlehem. Well, Joseph is from Nazareth. Did God mess up? No, God did not mess up. God did exactly what he was supposed to do. And this obedient man took his wife to be counted in the census. And we all know the rest of the story. We know that, that when, when they got there, maybe we'll get to that next week, that, that Mary had the baby Jesus and all the things that transpired. And, and we'll talk about that. And you really think, just, just if you read it, we read Luke chapter 2, and as I've already told you, you think Joseph disappears, right? He almost does. In fact, in the birth story, we read this and, and it says that the shepherds came and they see Mary and Joseph and then that's really almost the end of it. But I want you to understand that we all know about Herod's infanticide. You all know what infanticide is? Our country has an infanticide going on right now. It's called abortion. And it's killing babies is what it is. And it's killing babies now that have made it outside the womb. God help us. But we see that after all these things transpire, that word comes that Herod wants to kill all the little boys. Every one of them, approximately two years and younger. Y'all know this story, right? Know this part of the story, that Herod wants to kill them. And so, back to Matthew chapter 1, and, and I'll read it very quickly. Let's go to or Matthew chapter 2, I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, it says, And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. And be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Joseph's been through a lot. He's already had his, his, essentially his testimony as a Jewish man is destroyed. He's had to go to Nazareth or go to Bethlehem from Nazareth, make that journey and all these things. And then maybe when things were somewhat about to get back to normal, 
Here comes the angel of the Lord again and says, Joseph, you can't go home. You've got to go to Egypt. You've got to go into hiding. And then later on, we'll see that, that in verse 19, it says, But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to, to, in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead, which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the, child, the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. Now here's something important that I had never thought about and never really seen until I studied this out this week. The angel of the Lord appeared to Mary, correct? And I double and triple and quadruple checked this. How many times did the angel appear to Mary? One time. How many times did we just read that the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph? Three separate times. Did you all see that? The first time, the angel of the Lord came to Joseph and said, Hey, this is what's going on. Mary's about to have a baby. The angel of the Lord then appears to Joseph again and says, Go to Egypt. And then the Lord appears to Joseph again on a third occasion and says, Take your family home. Now, I'm not a genius. Y'all can say amen to that. But I believe that that says something about what God thinks about Joseph right there. Because couldn't God have just as easily sent that messenger to Mary and said, hey, go, go, go home or go to Egypt or whatever. But no, God sent the angel to Joseph. I believe that says something about the responsibility that Joseph had. And you know what that was? It was to take care of and provide for and protect his family. Can you say amen? I believe it's a man's responsibility to take care of the family. It's a man's responsibility to protect the family. Now, some people don't have a husband. I understand that, and it's your responsibility. The mother must step up then. But as the man of the house, as the man of my house, it is my responsibility to protect my family. Now, I'm serious about protecting my family. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, some of y'all are laughing. But when, when I'm away from the house... Uh, I, I particularly remember this, and, and this did me some good. Uh, when I got back, I was, I was at a, a conference or something. I don't remember where I was. And, and the next night I had got back, and Lacey came up to me. She said, I sure am glad to have you home. I said, well, thank you. I appreciate that. And, and she said, I feel safer when you're here. And my little girl, she runs up to me, and she wants to be in Daddy's arms when she's scared of something. And, and wouldn't you say that it was Joseph's job to protect Mary and his family? And that, that was God's plan. And we see that, that he was faithful, that every single time that God spoke to him, he did exactly what God told him to do without question. When, when, the, when the angel said, Mary, this woman, Mary, Mary, that's a tongue twister, right? When the angel said, do that, it says that Joseph did it. When the angel said, go to Egypt, Joseph did it. It said, and he arose. When, when the angel said, go back, you know, I don't know what was going on in Egypt. Maybe Joseph had, had established a business there. Maybe he had found some way to provide for his family. And time after time after time, God, it seems like he was changing the plan. And yet every single time... Joseph was an obedient man. Going to Egypt meant giving up his business. Leaving Egypt probably meant giving up his business. But yet he followed God. And then we have one more mention 
of Joseph back in Luke chapter 2. And this will be the last place we'll turn and we'll be done in just a few minutes. But we get to the end of Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read, start reading in verse number 41. Jesus is now 12 years old, so we're getting just a little bit outside of the birth story. But this is the last record that we have of Jesus before his earthly ministry. And we all know what's going on here. This is, this is the Passover. This is the most important Jewish feast of the year. Verse 40, 41 says, And now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, he being Jesus, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance, and they found him not. They turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them the questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Now notice this wasn't Joseph. Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, Mary speaking again, pay attention to this. Thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye have sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. We have this last account of Joseph. This will be the last time we ever hear from this man. But you know what Joseph was doing? Do you see what Joseph was doing that the last time we ever hear anything from him? His parents went to Jerusalem every year. That means that Joseph was faithful again. We see example after example after example of Joseph's faithfulness to do what God had told him to do. And year after year he went to the temple and he made sacrifice. Do you know how hard it must have been on Joseph to do this? I want you to understand this. Something that, that you kind of have to read between the lines to see and to kind of figure out is that Joseph was a poor man. Did you know that? Anybody that's a carpenter, can you say amen that sometimes you're, you may be poor? This man didn't have a lot. We can, we can figure that out because when Jesus was eight days old, they went to the temple. And they were going to present him and they were going to name him after he was eight days old. And it says that they were going to sacrifice two turtle doves. You know who sacrificed turtle doves? The poorest people there were. If you had any money, you sacrificed a lamb. Or you sacrificed anything. But, but if you were at the bottom of the barrel, you sacrificed a turtle dove. And so every year Joseph had to stop what he was doing. And collect what little that he had. And he had to make this journey. 
to Jerusalem. And it would have been easy for him just to say, you know what? I think this year we're just going to stay at the house. We can worship God from here. Well, does that sound familiar? Anybody? Anybody? Does that resonate at all with anybody? That sometimes, as a father, and I'm preaching to dads, if you're a dad here this morning, listen to me. If you're going to be a dad, don't use the excuse, hey, it would be easier just to stay here. Be faithful to God. Go to the house of God. Take your family with you. I believe Joseph set a precedent for us men. Hey, we've got it a lot easier than Joseph had it. We can get in our car. We can, I can be here in, in 16 minutes from my house. And, and most of y'all, except for the folks from Spencer, can be here within 20, 25 minutes. And we, and we come here to this wonderful place, and yet we still find excuses to not be faithful to God. Am I preaching to anybody? You don't have to say amen right there. But I want you to understand that Joseph gave the men, especially the fathers, an example Another thing that Joseph did in verse 48, and and I'll be done right here in just a minute. And Mary asked that question. Remember, I pointed out when I was reading that it was Mary. She said, son. She had the right to call him son. Why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. It wasn't that Mary was the only one concerned where Jesus was. It wasn't that his mother said, where is he? Joseph was just as concerned as where Jesus was. Now we can pretty much, it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyways. We knew that Jesus was not up to mischief, right? Obviously. I mean, he's perfect. He, he's not going to be out there, you know, painting graffiti and, and doing things that he shouldn't. He's, he's, he's in the temple doing exactly what he should be doing. But yet at the end of the day, his father was concerned enough to say, where is my boy? See, remember, God had given Joseph the responsibility to take care of this family. And Joseph took that very seriously. The last thing that we ever hear from Joseph is he is concerned about the whereabouts of Jesus. Now, I would like to stand here this morning and tell you that I know what happened to Joseph, but I don't. Somewhere between the time that Jesus was 12 years old and 30 years old, Joseph probably died. The reason that I believe this is because we find later on in Jesus' life that in John chapter 3, when Jesus does his first miracle and turns water into wine, Joseph is nowhere to be found. And so Mary is probably a widow. And Jesus seems to be the caretaker and the prime caretaker of Mary. And he is responsible for her at that point. So in in the Bible, and, and this is your last first century Jewish fact, when the father died, you know who takes care of the mother? The firstborn son. It's just how it is. That's how the Jewish people did it. And then we see on the cross, when Jesus is dying on the cross, in John chapter, I believe it's 22, Jesus is dying, or John chapter 19, I'm sorry. Jesus is dying on the cross. He looks over at John, and he says, Behold thy mother. He says that to him. So Joseph is gone out of the picture. But so many times he's minimized, and he's sort of just relegated to a, you know, in a movie you'd probably call him a supporting character. 
You know, he didn't, he didn't have the major role. He's, he's not billed on the first ticket. But we can learn something from him. As a dad, I can learn a lot of things from Joseph. I can learn to be obedient to God. I can learn to be faithful to God. I can learn to be a man that, that has integrity for the sake of my family. Joseph teaches us so many things. And by the way, these are not just for men. These are attributes that every single person in this room should have as a Christian. You should have integrity. Your testimony should be there. You should be obedient without question of God. And then you should be faithful throughout the years. Twelve years have passed. Joseph's still taking his family to the temple. I'm glad that we were able to open the Word of God and read about this wonderful man named Joseph. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, I thank you for your Word and, Lord, what it means to us. And God, I just pray that as this message goes out, Lord, that it would begin to and continue to resonate with people. And that people would glean from this and take these lessons that Joseph has taught us and Lord, I just pray personally in my life, Lord, that as your follower, that I can do just like Joseph. And that, Lord, I can be faithful to you. And Lord, I'll be obedient to you. God, we trust you that this message has not went out in a void fashion, but God, you have spoken to somebody's heart this morning. And Lord, I just pray that in this Christmas season, Lord, that we see the, the beauty of your birth. And Lord, and all the people that had a, a part in this wonderful story. Lord, we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.